Welcome back to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. This is Leonard Birdsong and so happy to be here on TalkZone Radio. It's not a call-in show. It's a show where I talk about things on my mind. However, you might like some of what you hear. If you want to email me, email me at lbirdsong22. That's lbirdsong, the number 22, at gmail.com. Send your email in. I will read them and uh, talk about them on the air. In this segment, I want to talk a little bit about a history of immigration, not the whole history of immigration in the United States, but some things that you might want to know. Most of you have heard of Ellis Island. Ellis Island is a small island that sits in New York Harbor. It's not far from the Statue of Liberty. Many, many people in the late 19th century and early 20th century came from Europe and were processed as immigrants, legal immigrants, at Ellis Island. The statistics say that it's been estimated that nearly four in ten Americans can trace at least one of their ancestors to Ellis Island, that is, coming through Ellis Island. So let me tell you a little bit about Ellis Island. It's interesting. Now, out in California, there is an analogous place called Angel Island near San Francisco, where people from Asia would come into the United States. Now, it was never as busy as Ellis Island because for many years, from about 1895 up until 1943, there was a big ban on Chinese laborers coming to the United States. States. It was called the Chinese Exclusion Act. So not as many people came through Angel Island in San Francisco as did Ellis Island. So let me tell you a little bit more about Ellis Island. On January 1st, 1892, the United States officially opened the Ellis Island Immigration Station. That's what it was called. It quickly became known around the world as the Isle of Hope by people who longed to come to the United States. It stayed open until 1954, and more than 12 million immigrants passed through Ellis Island to begin their new lives in the United States. Now, in 1897, the main building on Ellis Island, where they processed people, burned to the ground, destroying the records of nearly 1.5 million immigrants. A new fireproof building was completed three years later. Now, one area of Ellis Island became known as the Kissing Post. Why is that? It was because it was the place where friends and family would first meet their arriving loved ones. The first immigrant to be processed at Ellis Island was a 17-year-old girl from Ireland. Her name, Annie Moore. What else do I know about Ellis Island? Well, there were a number of babies born on the island. Let's see how many. More than 350 babies were born on Ellis Island between 1897 and 1954. Now, The number of immigrants processed at Ellis Island peaked between 1900 and 1914 when about 5,000 to 10,000 immigrants passed through the portals of Ellis Island each day. Let me stress that again. 
the number of immigrants processed at Ellis Island peaked between 1900 and 1914 when about five to 10,000 immigrants passed through each day of the week. On April 17, 1907, 11,747 immigrants were processed at Ellis Island. This was the most ever in a single day. More than one million immigrants moved through Ellis Island that same year. 1907. What about doctor's orders? A team of doctors worked at Ellis Island, and they checked out all the potential immigrants for signs of disease or disabilities using what they call a six-second physical. Those who did not pass this initial inspection were marked with a chalk letter on their clothing, clothing rather, and detained for further examination. Now, there are some other people who we derogatorily call WOPs, W-O-P. You've probably heard that, and it's often referred to Italians, and I don't want to just single out Italians. I'm making a point here. The reason this word WAP came along during the late 18, 1900s, early 20th century, a lot of Italians from southern Italy came to the United States through Ellis Island. Some of them didn't have the papers they were supposed to have. So the immigration officers wrote these letters on their material, W-O-P, WAP, without papers. And these people were sent back to Italy. That's where we got the word WAP from. So you can tell your friends about that. Sometimes Ellis Island was called the Isle of Tears by those who failed inspection and were deported back to their original homeland. Well, that's a perspective on immigration. We have an awful lot of people who've come to the United States, particularly through Ellis Island. It closed in 1954. We have other ports of entry now. Almost every airport, certainly international airports in the United States, are ports of entry through which aliens from overseas come through and become immigrants. Many of them have immigrant visas. I have some news tidbits that my um, research assistant sent me. Read a couple of them before we have to take a pause for the cause. Here's one. You all know that Zimbabwe is a country in Africa. Zimbabwe's still healthy 92-year-old president, Robert Mugabe, should run as a corpse in the next year's election if he dies before the vote. This is what his wife said a few days ago. Grace Mugabe said in Harare, that's the capital, that even if the leader dies, supporters should vote for him to show their love. <laughs> we will see, right? We will see. Here's one about a one big bundle of joy. The look of surprise on Natasha Corrigan's face says it all. She had been through it three times before, but she wasn't expecting her fourth baby to be quite possibly have the title of Australia's biggest Baby tipping the scale at 13.2 pounds. Baby Brian Little Jr. arrived and is the heaviest baby ever born at Mercy Hospital for Women in Heidelberg, which is a Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia suburb. 
as double the average birth weight at 20 and 22 inches long. He's one of the largest babies ever born in Australia and probably in the world. All right. One more tidbit, and we're going to take a pause for the cause. But stick with us, folks. we got more information. Headline, sober, not this judge. Rochester judge, that's Rochester, New York, Letitia Astacio, on probation for a DWI, allegedly got drunk and refused to leave a restaurant. Um, as a matter of fact, she refused to leave the restaurant's employee bathroom. When threatened with pepper spray, Astacio said, you can't spray me, I'm a judge, according to court papers. She was sprayed, though. She got out of the bathroom. She has been stripped of her duties until further notice, say, court officials. Well, <laughs> sober as a judge, not in this case. This is Leonard Birdsong. You're on Leonard Birdsong Radio. I love to be here with you. Uh, you can see some of my dumb criminal law stories on my blog, www.com. Bird Songs Law. Dave, take us to a break. We'll be back with you soon. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Are you considering law school? Then you probably have tons of questions about the application process, the admissions process, the benefits of a legal career, and what it takes to succeed in law school. You'll find the answers to these questions and more in Professor Birdsong's Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Inside, you'll find helpful chapters on the history of the lawyer, why you should apply to law school, things you need to know about applying, and more. You have the ability and the drive. Now, get the advice that will guide you into the legal profession by helping you successfully submit your application to the law school of your choice. Professor Birdsong's award-winning law school guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Available for purchase on Amazon.com or through the author link at LeonardBirdsong.com. 